0: Uh, good morning church. Uh, it's a joy to be here uh, with my wife. It's a joy to to join you together this morning uh, to worship together with you. So please turn with me to Psalms 139 Psalms 139 and we'll get right into God's word this morning. so Psalms 139, and it reads as follows, To the choir master, a psalm of David, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they would be more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies." Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Brethren, this morning I want to talk on the topic, Knowing God. I want to talk about Knowing God. We were made to know God. The aim that we should set for ourselves in our lives is to know God our highest ambition and our highest aim in our in the pursuits of our lives should be to know God. Well what is this eternal life that Jesus gives? It's the knowledge of God. In John 17 verse three, it says, this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God. What is the best thing in life? Bringing more joy, more contentment, more satisfaction than any other thing? It is the pursuit of the knowledge of god and arriving to the knowledge of god jeremiah 9 23 it says this is what the lord says let not the wise man boast in his wisdom or the strong man boast in his strength or the rich man boast in his riches but let him who boasts boast about this that he understands and he knows me brethren i want you, I want uh, this morning I want you to see four convictions of a person who truly knows God. I want to talk to you this morning about the convictions that you need to cultivate if you are going to be a person who truly knows God. As, as, as we look at this year uh, and, and we've seen how, how difficult the year has been, If you look back can you look in in your life and say i have pursued the knowledge of god amongst all things i have pursued the knowledge of god and as you're about to face the new year can you say that may all the challenges come may all the things come but one thing that i want to pursue is the knowledge of god Brethren, I want to leave this charge to you this morning. I want to challenge you that as you face the future, may this be your one aim. May this be your one ambition. May this be your, where you channel your efforts. May this be what you pursue. May this be at the center of your life, the pursuit of the knowledge of God. Now, four convictions of a person who truly knows God. And, and for, for, for you who are believers this morning, I want you to look at these convictions and then ask yourself if you are maturing in the knowledge of God. And if you are an unbeliever this morning, I want you to look at these convictions and desire to know God and have a desire to know God. So here's the first. God knows me and he made me to know him. Look at the first six verses. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. God knows me and He made me to know Him. Brethren, the Bible teaches consistently that God knows everything. Psalm 145, it tells us that God's understanding is limitless. God knows everything instantly, effortlessly, and perfectly. God knows everything in the past, in the present, and in the future. God knows everything physical, spiritual, He knows everything seen or unseen. God knows everything that is known, that is unknown, and that is yet to be known. God knows all atoms, He knows all cells, He knows all minute details. There is nothing that God does not know. God knows everything. But what thrills the psalmist in in this passage is not the general knowledge of God. It's not that God knows everything generally, but it's that God knows him personally the psalmist does acknowledge he says god knows everything god is the creator of everything and everyone there is nothing that has been created that has not been created by god there's nothing that exists or that will exist that god does not know but the psalmist moves past that uh, 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 that technical framework of the knowledge of god and he is thrilled by the fact that god knows him personally Look at the Psalmist. He says, "He says, God, you have searched me and you've known me. And look at what he he says. God knows these things about me. He knows when I sit down and when I rise up. God knows. uh, He descends my thoughts from afar. He searches out my path and my lying down. He is acquainted with how many of my ways? There in verse 3, at the end of verse 3, God is acquainted with all my ways. He knows all of them. Now, how do you respond to this truth? As an unbeliever, how do you respond to this truth that God knows everything about you? Well, how must you respond to this truth? That God is acquainted with all your ways. God knows all your secret sins, your thoughts, your actions. How should that make you feel? Well, if you truly understand who God is, and you truly know yourself, who you are, this should lead you to feelings of embarrassment, feelings of being fearful, of being scared, being hopeless, being guilty. But, what is the psalmist response? in verse 5 he says you have me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me oh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot ato- I, I cannot attain it the psalmist seems to be thrilled he seems to be excited that even though god knows him god knows everything about him he responds in this way what is it that can make someone to respond in this way it is someone who truly has trusted God as a Savior. And remember we said, God knows me and He made me to know Him. You were made to know God, to know God as a Savior. And that's the only way you will be able to respond like the psalmist. As he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I cannot attain it. Because the psalmist knows God as a savior, he can speak about God being committed to protect him. In verse 5 he says, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Because the psalmist knows God as a savior, the psalmist speaks in response of praise. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He praises God for this because he knows God as a savior. And if you are to pursue the knowledge of God, this is where you should begin, knowing God as a Savior. In 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, 21, it tells us that for our sake He made Him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. It is only when we place our faith upon the work of Christ, who restores the relationship between us and God, that we can get back to this beautiful knowledge of God and get back to this communion with God, that we would be ones who live harmoniously with God. And knowing that even though God knows everything about us, we can respond to Him and say, such is wonderful to us. Let's look at the second conviction of a person who truly knows God and who's growing in the knowledge of God. God is always with me, and He will hold me fast. God is always with me, and He will hold me fast. We see that from verse 7 to verse 12. It says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings in the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, the night is bright as the day, for the darkness is light with you." What the psalmist is teaching us here is that God is always with him, and he will hold him first. God is present everywhere at the same time. Brethren, the Bible teaches us that God is too infinite for our intellect. He's too immense for our imagination and too complex for our comprehension. The doctrine of the omnipresence of God means that God is highly exalted above all. He is is not like us. God is not confined to one place at the same time. God is present at all places every time. God is not confined by space or by time, by heavens or earth. Brethren, David moves from a technical understanding of this truth to a devotional response. He says, where shall I go from your Spirit? He says, oh, where shall I flee from your presence? And if I ascend to the heaven, if I go up, God is there. If I go down, God is there. If I go to the east, God is there. If I go to the west, God is there. God is always with me and He will hold me first. Look at what the psalmist says in verse 10. He says, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me this psalmist here is is convinced that wherever life takes them God will always be there with them David says here that no matter what circumstance i find myself in i know that the presence of God will always be with me God is always with me and he will hold me fast. look at verse 8 it says if i ascend to the heaven you are there in verse 9, it says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you are there. Verse 10, it says, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. The strength of God will protect you wherever you go, wherever your presence, wh- wh- wherever life circumstances take you. This is the assurance that we find in the Word of God, that there is nothing that can happen to a life of a believer without God permitting it, and without God guiding you through it and using it for His good and for His glory. May this truth be your anchor in your trials. May it be your anchor in your hardships, in your sorrows, in your pain, in your loss, in your bereavements in your fears, in your struggles, with depression, or in your hopelessness. May this truth be your anchor, that God is always with me and He will hold me fast. In Romans chapter 8, this question is asked, What can separate us from the love of God? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And, and what we see in verse 13 to 16 is that David is confident that God will hold him fast in the present and in the future because God has done it in the past. He says here, God, you have protected me when I was in my mother's womb. For you formed my inward parts; you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. What David is saying here is that you have protected me in the past. And I can trust you that you'll protect me in the present and you'll protect me in the future. Brethren, when we look at verse 17 and 16, here's the response of David. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sun. I awake and I'm still with you. As David looks at this truth about God, he responds in praise. He responds confidently, knowing that God is for him. Knowing that God made him to glorify him and to enjoy him. Now brethren, this is a response of someone who counts their blessings and they name them one by one. It is, it is only when you count your blessings and you see uh, what God has done for you that you can respond in this way. And let's move on to see the third conviction of a person who truly knows God. From verse 19 to 22. Knowing God means hating evil. Knowing God means hating evil. Look at verse 19. that you'd slay the wicked, O God! All men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies." I'm sure these are verses you don't find in in Christian bookstores and on t-shirts. I'm sure none of you has seen this written on a t shirt or on a mug, uh, especially verse twenty two I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. brethren, knowing God means hating evil. knowing God means hating evil and so this I, I want to help you to to understand these verses that we've just read here. So, this statement can only come, or or these statements coming from these verses, can only come from someone who truly understands the purity of God. Who understands what it means to be evil. What it means to be evil towards a holy God. These statements can only come from someone who truly understands that they were made by a loving God. Who made them to obey them. Who made them to glorify them. Who made them to, to to enjoy him This statement can only come from someone who understands that God is God and people are creatures of God. These statements can only come from someone who understands uh, how the how the authority works that God instructs and men must obey. Uh, These statements can only come from someone who has a high view of Scripture, that what God has called wrong, we must also call wrong. That what God has permitted, we must do. And what God has prohibited, we must avoid. So I want you to see five ways that we should think about these next verses. Knowing God means hating evil. First, we need to be concerned about God's glory more than anything else in the world. We need to be aware that eternal souls of men are at stake. So, one who knows God will warn people about living a life that is contrary to God. They'll warn people about the judgment that God has, uh, has, has instituted amongst those who live contrary to God's word. And we also need to call sin what god calls sin and fourth we need to distance ourselves from those who arrogantly sin against god and this is what it means when it says i hate them with complete hatred i count them my enemies the point here is that these are not your friends these are not people that you endorse and then finally Knowing God means hating evil, this looks like it's showing people by words and by actions what it means to be forgiven by God and why people need to be forgiven by God. So it means we must be proclaimers of the gospel constantly to those who are living in such a way that is contrary to the gospel and those who have not come to faith in Christ. That their souls are at eternal uh, there, there is eternity at stake, that uh, they, they will need to stand before a holy judge who will judge them according to His holy law. And if they do not have the righteousness of Christ upon them, God will judge them to hell forever. Knowing God means hating evil. You You cannot truly grow in your knowledge of God if you have not come to the hatred of evil. You can you cannot be married to Jesus, to Jesus, while you are not divorced to sin. Fourthly, God knows me better than I know myself, and I want Him to reveal my sin to me. Uh, look at the look at from verse twenty two to the last verse, uh, from verse twenty three to the last verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting." Well, reading verse 23, perhaps your mind uh, quickly jumps back to verse 1. You say, didn't you say that God knows everything? Then why does it say that, Search me, O God, and know my heart? H- how does that work? How, does, how can I ask the God who knows everything to search me and know my heart? I think I'm sensing some contradiction there. How does that work? Well, to resolve that, you need to think about it this way, that God knows me better than I know myself, and I want Him to reveal my sin to me. So, this is not a request that God, this is not like someone giving permission to God to search their heart, Uh, because if you don't give Him permission, He would not know. But this is someone who says, God, you know me better than I know myself. And please, having searched my heart, reveal my heart to me, so that I may change, so that I may live a life that pleases you. We know that as people, we are prone to make light of our own sins. Uh, It is very easy to magnify other people's sins. It is very easy to see the faults of others. But... We we, we we glance over our sins, we actually uh, even uh, give explanations to our sins, or we try to make light of them, or we give them certain terms, or we excuse them in one way, one form, or the other. But someone who wants to truly grow in the knowledge of God comes fully uh, transparent to God, saying, God, you know me better than I know myself. Please reveal my sin to me. Now, are you committed to change when your sin is revealed to you? Are you committed to put God's word first above your feelings, above your culture, above your traditions, above your personality, and above your habits? The charge this morning is that for us to grow in the knowledge of God, We need to be propelled and 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 be pursuing these four convictions god knows me and he made me to know him god is always with me and he will hold me fast that knowing god means hating evil and finally that god knows me better than i know myself and i want him to reveal my sin to me so i can change amen lord we thank you for your word we ask that You would help us in the pursuit of knowing You. We ask that You give us hearts that are uh, inclined to Your word and uh, that desire to know You in all parts of our lives. May we not have uh, lives where we hide our sins and, uh, and, and we pretend to be what we are not. May You please give us growth in all areas.